You are listening to a Blazing Caribou Studios production. Support and subscribe to our Patreon at patreon.com slash blazing caribou studios. No, no, no. Definitely taking the scenic route on the arpeggio. You're cool, Uncle Clarence. Couldn't summon the skin off a rice pudding. Look and learn. <laughs> it worked. It worked. <laughs> Welcome back to the Varmints Podcast, where every week we do a whole bunch of research to educate ourselves and you, the listener, on all things that creep, crawl, slither, fly, jump, hop, and swim on this planet, one animal at a time. My name's Paul. I'm not an animal expert. I'm Donna, and I am also not an animal expert. And I have a cold. Today, we are talking about piggies. Yes, pigs. I told my wife that we were recording an episode about pigs, and she was incredulous. She was like, what do you mean you haven't done pigs yet? You haven't done a pigs episode? No, we have not. Until today. Yes, today is pig day. <laughs> Let us wallow around in the topic. <laughs> Let us. But first, the news. This is Varman's Headline News with your anchorman, some guy named Paul. Thank you, Matthew. You know, when most people think of a Caribbean vacation, they think of umbrella drinks, palm trees, sunny skies, and swimming with the dolphins. Well, might not be different in swim with the pigs. On Big Major K, an uninhabited island in the Bahamas, that is exactly what you will find. A group of, a group of wild but adorable pigs... Swim freely through the waters, wander the island, and rush out to meet boats bringing tourists that have snacks. <laughs> so to get there, you have to fly to the Exumas, which is a stretch of 365 Ks and islands in the Bahamas. It's about 35 miles southeast of Nassau. When you hear about celebrities buying entire islands, this is where they're buying them. I think Johnny Depp has an island down there and a few other uh, well-known people. And then you have to charter a boat to get to Big Major K to see the pigs. For a good long while, nobody really knew how the pigs got to the island in the first place, and there were these wonderful stories about merchant ships and pirate ships that wrecked and the pigs on board just swam to shore and made themselves at home. Turns out there were two men who were planning on starting a farm there in preparation for the Y2K crash, and they put the pigs there, a couple of males and a couple of females. And when the world did not collapse in the year 2000, the farm idea was abandoned and the pigs stayed put. I see. Yes. So in addition to being fed by tourists, the pigs survive on all the grasses and insects and stuff on the island, and there are a number of freshwater springs, so they can live there and thrive there all year round. Well, that's good. Yeah. I like the swimming pigs. They're very cute. 
They are really cute. There's usually between 40 and 60 of them at any given time. There have been as many as 100 pigs on that island. Mm -hmm. And you can take as many pictures as you want of the doggy paddling pigs. If you want to swim with them, it's recommended that you stay a little further offshore where you can stand, but the pigs can't. Mm -hmm. If you do want to venture on land, you have to be careful of pig poop and other animals. And you also have to be careful if there are baby piglets around because the moms can get pretty... Uh, territorial with their with the piglets around but it's a thing that you can do <laughs> yes and there's all kinds of really neat little pictures and videos online of this where people have gone and, and swum with the pigs and it is it they are cute yeah they are uh, did you notice how slim they are that's what pigs are like when they're um when they're in a wild population i mean technically these guys are not wild they're feral but that's what right. that's what they look like in their natural shape, they're not all fat and and, and uh, big piggy like they are in uh, <laughs> livestock. So yeah. they don't have that big roll of fat like hanging over their eyes or anything. They're very fit-looking pigs. Yeah, they're like they're disco pigs. They're like, oh. <laughs> <laughs> Just a reminder: go to blazingcariboustudios.com for links to our audio and our show notes for today's episode. We're also on Twitter and Instagram at, at varmintspodcast, all one word, and at varmintspodcast at gmail.com for questions, comments, stories, and suggestions. If you like our show, head over to iTunes or Stitcher and leave us a nice little rating and review. We also have a Pinterest board. The link to that is always at the bottom of the show notes of each episode page on our website. So, let's go learn about pigs. The kingdom of animals is fascinating. Now I'm going to tell you about their behavior and living patterns. So come on! What in God's holy name are you blathering about? We are blathering about pigs today. A pig is any of the animals that belong to the genus Sus, S-U-S. Pigs include the domestic pig and its ancestor, the common Eurasian wild boar, along with about eight other species. Pigs are native to Europe, Asia, and Africa, not to every other continent where they have been imported, including Australia and North America. Pigs have been domesticated by humans for thousands and thousands of years, and they are one of the most numerous large animals on the planet. At any given time, there are about one billion pigs on the planet. Right. Pigs are pretty recognizable. Large round bodies, short legs with hooved feet, a long snout that ends in a large round disc of cartilage, rather small eyes. You know what a pig looks like. Males are called boars, females are called sows, and young pigs are known as piglets. <laughs> the word pig probably comes from Middle English pig, P-I-C-G, which might be from an old English word called pick breed or acorn, which pigs like to eat. But nobody really knows that for sure. A group of pigs on a farm is called a herd, and a group of wild pigs is called a sounder. Oh. And of course, pigs make very distinct noises that sound something like this. <laughs> You are technically correct. The best kind of correct. My sister and I used to call the piglets squigglets. Oh, <laughs> that's cute. I like that. Because <laughs> uh, they're squiggly, see? <laughs> Love it. 
Did you know that pigs have pretty bad eyesight, but a really good sense of smell? I did not know that. Yeah. Their little piggy eyes aren't that great, but they have a really good sense of smell. In my research, I was not able to find a set of numbers of comparison to human olfactory receptors and dog olfactory receptors and stuff that I understood. I like found a number and it seemed really low, So, and it seemed to me that it's probably that there are multiple kinds of receptors, and I kind of just didn't understand the article <laughs> at all. So, I think for the purposes of this podcast, we can just go with a lot. Yeah, it's a lot. They, they, <laughs> they can smell stuff really well, but the the salient point of the article that I did get, which well, was interesting, was that we dedicate like 0.01% of our brain real estate to smell. They dedicate 7% of the volume of their brain to oh, wow. smelling stuff. So 0.01% compared to 7%. <laughs> Man. I'm not good at math, but that's like many, 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 many times <laughs> more powerful. <laughs> so, yes, they can smell stuff really well. But it's not, it turns out it's not their good sense of smell that makes them good for hunting truffles. You've had truffles, right? You mean the delicious chocolate confection, right? No, and I've never had them either, so I don't know what they taste like. <laughs> no, actually, I just found out today what exactly a truffle was because I thought it was like a a mushroom or something. It's actually the fruit of a fungus that grows on tree roots. Yeah. Yes, and it's very expensive. It can be, like, underground, quite quite deep underground, and pigs can smell it from, like, three feet away, three feet underground. Wow. So it seems like the explanation of how the pigs are able to smell this is related to their sex life. Researchers in West Germany found that the truffles contain large quantities of a substance that's also synthesized in the testes of boars. So I didn't know this. It turns out it's female pigs that are always the truffle hogs, the, the males don't do it. Oh, okay. Wow. In the boars, it's secreted into their saliva when they court the females, and the research reported that the substance's musk-like scent emanates from, that emanates from the saliva foam is smelled by the sow, and it prompts her to be interested in the boy. So the chemical that's in that, in their spit, is found twice as abundantly in the truffles and as it is in the blood plasma of the boars. So... <laughs> so... The females are what they're really interested in is the smell of boy pigs. <laughs> mm -hmm. They're like, there's boy pigs under there. <laughs> <laughs> Three feet underground, though, is remarkable. It is. It is really very remarkable. Now, there are specially trained dogs that can find the truffles, and people are using those a lot these days, but the pigs are still better at them, at, at finding them. So, And I don't think I... I, I think I understand why now. So, like, yeah. wow. And that's why they're like, hey, get over here, get over here. There's a boy pig under there. <laughs> <laughs> Help him. <laughs> no, I don't know if that's what they're doing. I just imagine that's what they're doing. But, yeah. They have super-duper good sense of smell, and they're, they're very, very good at finding truffles. Cool. Yeah. You've never eaten truffles, right? No. 
It's one of those ingredients that you see like on the Food Network when they're when they have like chopped or one of those shows and everybody's, you know, chopping up truffles and things and using truffle oil and I have no clue what it tastes like. I don't even know where to get truffles. So, you know, we're all probably guilty of calling a dirty room or an office or a car a pigsty, right? Or maybe your right. parents came into your room and said, this place is a pigsty. Well, pigs have kind of an unfortunate reputation for being dirty. And in the movie Pulp Fiction, one of the characters won't eat bacon because, as he says, pigs eat, sleep in, and roll around in poop and don't have the sense to disregard their own feces. Mm-hmm. In actuality... Pigs are one of the cleaner animals on the farm, and if given the choice, they will use the bathroom as far away from where they sleep and eat as humanly possible. Humanly possible? Where did that come from? Piggly possible. Piggly possible. (laughs) (laughs) You've also heard the phrase sweating like a pig? Yeah. Yeah. Pigs have really high body fat. They have a big round body that stores that heat, but they don't have that many sweat glands. So the reason why we sweat is the way it's supposed to work is that when your body overheats, glands in your skin release sweat, and if the relative humidity outside is low enough, that sweat evaporates and it cools you off. Uh And if you can't sweat for some reason, you have to find other ways to create that evaporation on your skin. And the way pigs do this is by rolling around in mud. They love rolling around in and coating themselves in mud because not only does the water in the mud evaporate, and cool them off, the mud does two other things that are really interesting. It acts as a sunscreen, because some domestic pigs have very sparse hair, and they can actually get sunburned, so that mud acts as a barrier between their skin and the sun. Right. And the mud gives them protection from bug bites. When that mud dries and cakes up on their skin, pigs have been observed scraping off that dried mud on trees and and fence posts and things like that. And if you look at that dried mud, very often you will see ticks and lice and fleas that are embedded in the mud. (laughs) Stupid ticks, lice, and fleas. (laughs) (laughs) So that certainly gives the appearance of a pig enjoying being dirty and filthy, but it's more about the pig keeping cool and healthy. Well, I was thinking that uh, this is probably, that the mud is probably, you know, not super dirty, but after I had the pleasure of captioning a very long lecture about bacteria, now I'm like, nah, it's super dirty. (laughs) 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 It is gross in there. (laughs) Well, it's not poop. That's the no, point. No, 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 no. Like, it's not anything like that. But yeah, mud is not something you want on you for indefinitely, for sure. <laughs> right. And if you own a pig that is poop dirty and not mud dirty and it is not disregarding its own feces, that is not the pig's fault. And that's not yeah. a problem with the animal. That is a problem with the animal's husbandry. In yep. other words, that's on you. Yep. You're not taking care of it properly. That's right. Yeah. That's, right. that's true of any animal. In earlier episodes... I said that eating your own poop was a sign of not being intelligent, but as I have learned both from Donna and from doing my own research, generally when an animal is eating their own poop or they're, you know, having to be in close proximity to it, they're either bored or stressed or in a state that they normally would not be in in the wild. Yep. Yeah, it's a sign of psychological distress. Yep, unfortunately. And that happens a lot like in factory farming. 
But when your dog raids the kitty litter box, that's just normal dog. <laughs> if you're eating something else's poop, it's a whole other story. <laughs> It's not minty fresh, but they love it anyway. Oh, so. it's so gross. Nom, nom, <laughs> nom, nom, nom. <laughs> oh. And they smile when they chew it, too. So. Oh, dogs are weird. <laughs> All right, it's disclaimer time. The Varmints Podcast knows that it's not fair to compare animal intelligence to human intelligence, but then we only really have the yardstick of ourselves to go by, so we are going to do it anyway. Yeah, well, you know, that's just like... Uh, your opinion, man. So on a scale of 1 to 10, I gave pigs a 7. Sure. Yeah, they're pretty smart. Yeah, they, they're they're smart. They're smart. I've read a pretty good deal about it. Uh, uh, the, the doctor that has done most of the research about pig intelligence in the last three or four years has quite a few articles that you can find on the interwebs to read about the intelligence of pigs and... It's interesting and thoughtful, so I'll try and try and remember to put one in the show notes so that you guys can go and read it. She is careful to point out that how animals act in a lab environment, like how problem-solving they are in a laboratory environment, is not necessarily how you're going to find them in the wild or even in a livestock situation. So we have to be careful to remember that just because they're doing these things doesn't mean that they're super intelligent all that they're all the time like they're not likely to take over the world you know they don't have thumbs and <laughs> right <laughs> and they don't have desires to make podcasts and stuff like that so <laughs> she's uh <laughs> it was a really good article yeah didn't you mention too that they're smarter out like feral pigs and wild pigs are smarter than domestic pigs they well, maybe they're not smarter. They're just they have the opportunity to use their smarts more. Okay. Um, but feral pigs and wild pigs, they don't, they don't have the same set of problems to solve that that livestock pigs do. If you think about livestock pigs, their problems are outsourced to us. Where to get enough food? That's on us. Whether whether to get stay out of the elements? That's on us. Um, dealing with sickness, that's on us. Those those problems are all stuff that they aren't responsible for anymore. So they don't need to have certain kinds of intelligence. So you're going to see that stuff sort of more active in, in wild or feral species because they're responsible for solving all those problems. So gotcha. does that make sense? Like, yeah, that makes sense. They are smart, but it's probably you're probably going to see smarter stuff in, in wild varieties and I don't think that they've been studied that much, so. Are we giving them style points? Yeah. I mean, I'm not a huge <laughs> pig fan. I think they're okay, but I think the people who do like them really like them a lot. And so, I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> like, I personally would go like, eh, seven, you know? Yeah. But, uh. <laughs> Me too. I, I give them a seven I'd... and I'm stepping there. Yeah, because I'm biased. I'm scared of pigs, so. <laughs> <laughs> what happened? When I was about 10, we moved to Montana, and I was going to, a, went to a friend's house, and she had, they had a sow with some piglets in a, she wasn't in a big pen, she was in kind of a small pen, which is, I guess they were saying it was a nursing pen or something. I don't know exactly how it works, so if, correct me if I am wrong, I'm not a farmer, so. But I went to look over the edge, and that pig was 
very, very upset that I was near her babies and she slammed up against the fence and scared the bejeebies out of me. So. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. That'll skew the numbers a little bit. Yeah, I'm biased. I, I'm, I'm afraid <laughs> of pigs, so I don't like them very much. But, uh, and I, and yeah, so. <laughs> so our friends Wes and Cindy have a pet pig hmm. and its name is Petunia and it's completely adorable and it lives Aww. in the house Yeah, is it tiny or is it big it started out tiny and now it's pretty hefty it's the size of maybe like a like a small duffel bag right yeah it's it's getting big Yep, those little pet pigs don't stay small. No, I mean, they that's don't. That's the thing people get fooled about. They're like, I thought it was going to be small. No. <laughs> <laughs> they do not stay small. They get big. So. Yep. Yeah. All right. Well, hey, we are going to talk about pigs and pop culture and a couple other things, but we're going to do that right after this message. So, Tafer, what would the elevator pitch for Bears on Film be? Please listen to us. That is just god-awful. Oh, you do better, Billy, if that is your real name. Bears on Film, a podcast where Billy, a large, hairy visual effects artist, and Topher, a larger, hairier cameraman, discuss films they love, films they don't, and those that fall in between. That is better. Thank you. And how much had you had to drink when you came up with the name Bears on Film? Shh. Find us at bearsonfilm.net or on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, Acast, or anywhere else good podcasts are found. And now for something completely different. Hey, you know, me and Donna were just a couple of nerds like you, and we don't see animals up close and in person very often. So let's talk a little bit about where we see them most of the time, on movies, TV, and video games, and I am going to start with this movie right here. Move along there, you... You, uh... Big butt heads! <laughs> nonsense. What's got into you all of a sudden? I just got finished telling what a nice young pig you be. Ma, I was just trying to be a sheep dog. Huh, enough wolves in the world already. Without a nice lad like you turning nasty. You haven't got it in you, young'un. You and I are descended from the great sheep dogs. We carry the bloodline of the ancient Bahu. We stand for something. And today I watched in shame as all that was betrayed. Rex, dear. He's just a little pig. All the greater the insult. I'm sorry I bit you. Are you all right? Well, I wouldn't call that a bite myself. You got teeth in that floppy mouth of yours are just gums. Ah! <laughs> <laughs> you see, ladies? A heart of gold. A heart of gold. No need for all this wolf nonsense, young'un. All a nice little pig like you need do is ask. So that, of course, is from the movie Babe. Hmm. Babe is a 1995 Australian-American comedy drama film. I cannot believe that it is 23 years old. There was a novel back in 1983 by Dick Kingsmith called The Sheep Pig, and that is what the movie is based on tells the story of a pig that is raised for livestock who wants to be a sheepdog. Right. The main animal characters are played by a combination of real and animatronic pigs and border collies. Cool. 
Babe was filmed in Robertson, New South Wales, Australia. It is a beautiful film. It is. It was nominated for seven Academy Awards, including Best Picture, Best Director, and Best Adapted Screenplay. And it won the award for Best Visual Effects. And it is one of my most favorite movies ever. And I could not do this episode without talking about it. Huh. Cool. The basic story, without spoiling anything... Babe is an orphaned pig who is given to Arthur Hoggett, who is a farmer, and uh, he won it as a prize at a county fair. And after seeing Babe's interactions with the sheep on his farm, Hoggett decides to train it as a sheepdog, even entering Babe into a local sheepherding competition. The movie got 83% on Metacritic, 97% on Rotten Tomatoes. It is an absolutely terrific movie. If you have never seen this movie before, like Donna... And you're going into it thinking that it is a movie strictly for kids. It is definitely not. Much like this podcast, I would call it family-friendly. Okay. Uh, the language is clean, but the film does get pretty dark at times, and there are a couple of mildly violent and upsetting scenes, and it does earn its PG rating. Do watch this with your kids. Don't just let them watch it alone. And have some tissues ready, because if you are not a robot, this film will probably tug at your heartstrings a time or two, and it is a movie that is guaranteed to make me cry every single time. I'm going to talk about The Empress of Blandings. She is a creation of P.G. Woodhouse, who wrote the Blandings Castle novels. And we've talked about P.G. Woodhouse before on the show, I think. Yeah. he He's wonderful, and everyone should read him. So, The Empress is an enormous black Berkshire sow who wins many prizes in the Fat Pigs class of the local Shropshire Agricultural Show. And she is the subject of many plots and schemes, generally involving her being kidnapped for various purposes. (laughs) 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 There is a pub in Hampshire, which is named in honor of the Empress. And you heard a bit of the new Blandings TV show at the beginning of the episode of of Lord Emsworth trying to learn how to become a pig caller so that he can call the Empress back to him in the times that she gets kidnapped and stuff. So you heard him at the beginning going, Pig Hooey! <laughs> that story is called Pig, pig Hooey. And it's a really interesting little set of adventures. We first meet her in that book. Then we meet her in Summer Lightning and Heavy Weather, While she is under the care of her caretaker, she becomes the subject of various schemes. She's first stolen by Ronnie Fish, who has upset his uncle by bouncing a tennis ball on her back and hopes to get back into his good books (laughs) by finding her again. (laughs) She is stashed in the gamekeeper's cottage in the woods and fed by the admirable butler Beach, but later moved by Hugo Carmody to a caravan owned by Rupert Baxter. So... This is all in the story. In heavy weather, she finds Galahad Threepwood's notorious memoirs hidden in her custom-built new sty and eats the whole book. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, And not long after, she finds herself in the dicky of Ronnie Fish's car as he threatens to run off with her if her master refuses to fund his elopement. (laughs) Wait, wait, is the dicky the trunk? (laughs) Okay. (laughs) In Uncle Fred in Springtime, she's taken captive again and hidden in the back bathroom of the Duke of Dunstable. (laughs) (laughs) In Full Moon, a man called Bill Lister. Get it? Lister? Bill Lister? (laughs) 
is twice hired to paint her portrait and she is put in Veronica Wedge's bedroom for a time by Galahad. And in Pigs Have Wings, she spends some time in Matchingham Hall, the home of Gregory Parzo Parzo, having been stolen by the turncoat well-beloved in response to Galley's cunning theft of Parslow's new pig, the Queen of, of Matchingham. <laughs> her subsequent rescue leaves her plenty of time to return to form while her before her triumphant third silver medal. So it goes on a little bit from there about the stories that she's in. But I just want to read to you the introduction of Summer Lightning so you get an idea what Woodhouse's writing is like, and then we're going to listen to some clips. Sure. All right. I wish I could read in a British accent because it's funnier that way, but I really can't. So that's all right. I'll put I'll put some appropriate music behind this. A certain critic, for such men, I regret to say, do exist, made the nasty remark about my last novel that it contained all the old Woodhouse characters under different names. He has probably by now been eaten by bears, like the children who made mock of the prophet Elisha. <laughs> But if he still survives, he will not be able to make a similar charge against Summer Lightning. With my superior intelligence, I have outgeneraled the man this time by putting all the old Woodhouse characters under the same names. Pretty silly it will make him feel I rather fancy. <laughs> <laughs> So we're going to hear um, some clips from, and I think one is a radio, a BBC radio production of one of the books, and then the second one is from a production of the book Heavy Weather that was filmed in 1995. Yes, here they are. Hello, there's young Ronald leaning over the rails. What's he up to? What's the damn fool doing? Ronald, Ronald, what are you doing to the Empress? Oh, I was bouncing this tennis ball on her back. A tennis ball? <laughs> See, she likes it. But, uh, stop it, will you? Yeah. Are you aware that the Empress of Blandings is an excessively nervous, highly strung animal, only too ready at the slightest provocation to refuse her meals? You might have undone the work of months with your idiotic tennis ball. I'm sorry. What's the use of being sorry? I never thought. You never do. That's what's the trouble with you. Really, Ronald, sometimes you make me despair. Galahad, you saw him. Come on, Clarence. It's only a pig. Only a pig? There, there, old dear. Good heavens, can none of my family appreciate she's the most remarkable annual in Great Britain? No pig in the annals of the Shropshire Agricultural Show has ever won the Blue Rosette two years running. Now that, if only people will leave her alone and refrain from incessantly pelting her with tennis balls, is what the Empress is quite certain to do. It's an unheard of feat. Who's a good girl? <laughs> Here's the other one. And you, whatever your name is, come on! It's his way. In the city, she'll have to be moved if we can't keep her dry. We're not keeping dry. Who cares about you? Can I enter you for champion pig? <laughs> <laughs> They're trying to get a uh, a tarp over her sty because the rain's getting in her sty's gotten flooded by the rain so they're trying to cover it up <laughs> they're not doing it right and peter o'toole is playing um lord emsworth and it just he's so wonderful he's great he's, he's lord emsworth in my head whenever i read the books now because 
He just did such a great job, so. I love the All Creatures Great and Small series of books and then the TV show that they did back in the late 70s, early 80s, and this sounds like it would be just right up my alley. (laughs) Woodhouse is really special, and I definitely, anybody who likes comedy should should get into his stuff, so that's... Hilarious. He wrote something like 80-some novels over the course of his life, and they're all comedic satire along the same rung, but it's hilarious. It's the best. Love it. All right, it's time for this. Here's some jokey food and drink items which I've acquired recently. Each of them, I suppose, would go on a table or in the kitchen. <laughs> Donna, Pig, are they in the food box? Uh-huh. Bacon. Oh, yeah. Bacon. I think in our notes I just put bacon. That's, <laughs> you did. That's all I put. One word. I'm looking at it. Bacon. Bacon. Yep. And then you put all the time. All the time. <laughs> all the pig parts. Absolutely. People used to eat lots more of the pig than they do now in our culture. More um, of the parts? Yeah. Yes. In, in England and in Europe, they used to eat the whole head. It was like a, spe- a big deal, like a special, ooh, you get to eat the whole pig's head? Mmm, yummy. <laughs> like, that was a big deal. You knew that you were posh if you were eating a pig's head, so. To this day, the pork industry does not waste anything. I think the only thing they don't use for anything is the skull. Mm, I think I read that somewhere. The, uh, the rest of the parts go into dog food and and fish food and our food and sausage and everything else. They use as much of the pig as they humanly can. Yep. They're pigtastic. They are great. And if you like pork and you like history and you like recipes and you like alliteration, pork (laughs) steak with persimmon puree is the recipe that we're featuring this month. And when this episode goes live, this recipe will go live too with instructions and pictures and all kinds of good stuff from Blazing Caribou Studios' very own food blogger and future podcast host. She's going to be the co-host on a show called Feast on History, Andrea Freitas. Yes. Yeah, she's given us a couple recipes in the past, and uh, we're going to have a recipe there for you to make, and we hope you make it, and we hope you let us know how it turns out. Yes. It's going to be tasty. (laughs) It looks really, really good. Yeah, it does. I like almost everything except pork chops. I'm kind of picky about pork chops. They can dry out really easily, so... You can't really, to me, I feel like if you cook them in a quote-unquote healthy manner without a bunch of fat and frying them and stuff, then they're really pretty much no good. You might as well just eat bacon. Yep. (laughs) Just stick with bacon. (laughs) Can't go wrong with bacon. Even bad bacon is good. Bacon. (laughs) Now I'm going to have to go downstairs and make some bacon after we're done. Are you a crispy bacon or a floppy bacon kind of person? I am a mid-range bacon. I am too. Yeah. I don't like either extreme. I like it right in the middle. Yep. I have friends that like it carbonized. Like, <laughs> if you dropped it, it would break into a million little pieces. That's what I, I can't want. stand that. Yeah, I don't like that. I like to. I like it to be semi squishy and also crispy on the edges. Hey, Donna. Hmm. Is your brain a repository of useless information like mine is? Yes. Well, let's help everybody win that next trivia night or just sound smarter than the rest of the room with the Animal Fact of the Week. Is this your homework, Larry? Look, man. Dude, please. Dude, please. (laughs) In North Carolina, did you know that pig poop is being used to generate electricity? No. It is. The pork industry there has teamed up with Duke Energy... (laughs) 
shut up. <laughs> shut up. Hmm. To provide electricity to 800 homes using pigs. <laughs> there are more than 2,100 factory farms that raise approximately 2.3 million pigs in North Carolina, which means that it's a lot of pig poop. Right. People figure that's twice as much waste every day as New York City. Wow. And all that poop and pee has to go somewhere, so most of the time it goes into an open lagoon. And some of these lagoons at pig farms are as big as a soccer pitch. And as you can imagine, they stink to high heaven. And anybody that lives downwind of any kind of large farm can tell you that on certain days, the smell can be really challenging. Uh, so you don't you, you don't go suey, you go shooey. Hoo-wee. 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 <laughs> Back in 1999, North Carolina got hit by Hurricane Floyd. And a lot of those lagoons got flooded, and then they flushed all that stuff into nearby rivers, and pigs drowned, and it created such a huge mess that there was a moratorium placed on new farms and lagoons that is still in effect today, 18 years later. Right. But they found out that they could use the methane, which is the main emission from all that pig farm poop, as a source of energy. And that's really not a new idea. That actually started in the 1970s in Iowa with cattle. But over time, the process of converting methane into electricity has gotten more and more efficient. And so for about five years now, the methane from these lagoons began to be used to power homes and businesses. And the factory farms still make a mess. The stuff from the lagoons that can't be used to provide electricity very often become a pollutant in nearby creeks and rivers. And unfortunately, the factory farm... For better or worse, if you're an omnivore, the factory farm is mainly where your protein is coming from. And ideally, I think we would all like to get our meat from farmers and and know what conditions our animals are living in, but that's just not possible right now. But at least they're trying to do something with the poop. Yeah, that's really cool. Yeah. I had the privilege to have a talk with my dad about the pigs that they used to own. They had a farm, and they were not pig farmers. They just had swine as a sort of a, a side thing so that they could have their own pork and then they'd sell one and so they weren't big time pig producers or anything but my dad has a couple of funny stories about growing up and managing the pigs and so I talked to him about that and that's what we're going to listen to right now Hey everybody this is Donna and I am here with my dad for our pig chat Pig Chat with Dad for this special episode of Varmints where we talk about the pigsters. Hi, Dad. Howdy. Hi. So, my father grew up in a farm, in a, or on a farm in Whitefish, Montana, and you were a little boy in the 50s, right? Yes. Yep. And so, they raised all sorts of animals, but they had, apparently, a lot of pigs. When did you guys first get pigs? Well, we never had more than two pigs, but we decided um, sometime... I suppose when I was about uh, nine or ten, that we ought to raise a couple of pigs every year for uh, meat for ourselves and and to sell. Right. And the idea was that we would buy pigs, two of them, in the spring, and after they were weaned, and then we would feed them all summer and into the fall. And at some point there in the fall, late fall, we would have them butchered, and we would sell one to pay for the pigs for the following year 
and the other one would be turned into bacon and chops and hams and stuff like that for us. Right. Generally speaking, we got something in the neighborhood of 20 to $25 for the pig that we sold. And the piglets in the spring usually cost us about $10 a piece. So it was more or less self-supporting. Right. And we fed them from uh, grain that we raised on our farm mostly. Sometimes we, had, we bought grain, but we did have grain all the time that we could sell. Uh, so it was kind of a very low-cost operation there. Right. And in the kitchen, we would save all kinds of things that you would normally throw away or send down the garbage disposal, which we didn't have anyway. Right. Uh, and we put those in a bucket. And once a day, I would take that bucket out. Uh, actually, yeah, once a day, I would take the bucket out and mix it with water and grain and feed it to the pigs. And that was known as slop. Right. And that's why where the term from, slop the hogs comes from. Right. The other time when I fed them, usually in the morning, uh, I would uh, feed them just a mixture of grain and water. And the operation actually worked pretty well, except that when we built the pen, we we had never had pigs before. Uh And we didn't realize that small pigs are slippery critters and like to escape out of their pen. (laughs) And and we didn't make the pen escape-proof. Oh, dear. And... So they got out, and I can remember chasing them over our place, which was about 75 acres, and the neighbors, uh, I think the one neighbor had about 160 acres along the river, and then there were other people around us as well. And uh, I can tell you that if it's one person and one pig, you're outnumbered. (laughs) And I know they can outrun a 10-year-old boy because I tried it. Uh, So... We would uh, we would try to outnumber them. We, if it was two pigs escaping, well, at least three of us would go to capture them, and it was always a trouble. Right. I think we actually never caught them until they got tired. <laughs> but uh, every time they escaped, we would modify the pen, hoping to a change uh, to reach uh, pig-proof status, right. a goal not like unlike attaining universal peace, <laughs> uh, because uh, we did make it to where. The little pigs didn't escape anymore, but the biggest issue was that they just grew. Right. And and every year when they reached a certain point where there was nothing they could, no place in the pen they could even possibly squeeze through, so they didn't escape anymore. Right. So that's how we handled the pig situation. What do you have to do to make a pig-proof pen for the little guys? Well, you just put in, we used, uh, we had a, a lot of forest on our property. The property was 75 acres, about half cleared and half in timber. And uh, we had access to rails. We just went out and cut poles. Mm -hmm. And so most of the pen was poles uh, spaced close together so that they couldn't squeeze through. At least we thought they couldn't squeeze through. I think we actually had to double up on the poles. Right. Uh, We didn't didn't use near enough to begin with. Mm -hmm. Uh, But then they would also dig underneath the rails. So we ended up having to do something. I don't remember exactly what we did to stop them from doing that. We probably put some wire or something down under the ground so that they couldn't actually dig through it. Or there might have been just a board that we stuck in there and buried so they couldn't get out. Right. Whatever it was, it eventually got to the point where they didn't escape anymore. Yeah. (laughs) So how many years did you guys carry on with that habit of just like taking a pig? Uh, Well, we started when I was nine or ten and I, I know they did it until they got uh, my uh, stepfather and mother sold that place and moved to a different one. And I don't know if they raised any pigs after that or not. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, so that would have been about, they sold that place in about 60, 
68 or so when I was uh, 20 or 21 and I left home when I was 18 so we did it all the way up till then mm -hmm. and uh, when I was about 14 we bought an I bought an extra pig mm -hmm. for it cost me I don't know ten dollars or so uh, and someone might have given me the money I don't know might have been my grandmother or whoever and I raised that pig and sold it in the fall for twenty five dollars and in the spring I bought a calf huh. so we lived in Montana when I was in the fifth grade for like two minutes or something it wasn't very long but I remember that was my first I can. That's the first time I can remember ever seeing a pig in person. Uh huh. And I don't even know who it was. I don't know where we were, but you were like, I wanted to go in there and meet the pigs, <laughs> and you were like, No, you're not going in there with that sow. <laughs> that's not happening. <laughs> so pigs are are they aggressive? No, not really. Uh, but if you get in and start messing around with little piglets, their mother will definitely take an interest and. And uh, could be dangerous. Right. It's not. Uh, it's not something that happens a lot. But and the people who raise pigs all the time know that, and they handle them in ways that they don't have to worry about it. They when they're messing with the little ones, why they usually have the mom in a a, a squeeze chute or a pen of some sort, where they could control her. Right. And they take care of giving the little pigs their shots or whatever else that they need. So, did I'm trying to remember. Oh yeah, you said that they that feeding the pigs, you fed them grain and stuff and slop, but do they have real intense diets depending on what you're doing or if if you're just, I mean, I don't know what I'm trying to say. Is there anything weird that, about feeding pigs that would be interesting to know? Um, the only thing I can remember is that we didn't feed them coffee grounds. That was supposed to be bad for them. Hmm. I don't even know if that's true, but I do know that we didn't feed, we didn't throw coffee grounds into the slop right. from the house. right. But everything else that we, we ate, except meat, of course, we didn't do, we didn't uh, put meat in there. But pigs will eat meat if they're given. Well, they probably would, but uh, uh, we never did it, and I don't. At the time, I don't know whether it was because we knew that it could be bad or or not. We just didn't do it, and uh, um, but everything else, whether you're talking vegetables or uh, stuff you have, you know, potatoes or. Uh, even potatoes that would, had gone off, you'd, you'd throw them in the, and maybe cut them up and throw them in the slop bucket, and I would uh, take it out and feed it to them. They never turned their noses up at anything I dumped in there, so. <laughs> and they're, it all. they're also, when people say that you're dirty as a pig or filthy as a pig, that's not really right, is it? They're pretty clean animals, aren't they? They're what? Are pretty they, clean? Yeah. Um, I. I think that they would be considered to be clean, except, of course, that they're usually in a confined area where uh, and our neighbors had pigs on pasture. They probably had a couple acres to run around in, and, and they were pretty clean most of the time. They had a wallow that they liked to get in, right? and they kept wet for them because it helps keep the flies down and, and keeps them cooler during warm weather. Right. So they would quite frequently be covered with mud, but it, it wasn't anything... Uh, really nasty it was just uh that's that's the way they liked it but they're they're not they're Ours. not nasty animals they're not you know dirty and just bleh. no <laughs> they're just normal they smell just like just like other animals do i mean uh we would clean that pen a couple times a year and dig out uh, a foot or so of manure and dirt uh, 
pretty well composted. Yep. <laughs> uh, to to use in our garden and on our fields, and sometimes to sell. We had people that would come out and pay us uh, good money to run a tractor out and scrape the top six inches off our barnyard. Right. For for uh, topsoil and and uh, it was uh, good stuff. Yeah. Awesome. Well, thanks for coming on and talking about pigs, and uh, we appreciate it. And uh, you have a good day, Father. All right, you too. (laughs) Talk to you later. Okay, bye-bye. Bye. All right, thank you so much, Mr. Hume. Thanks for talking to us. That was really cool. It was cool. I always imagine like banjo music behind that when he tells that story about chasing the pig. <laughs> Maybe I'll put some in there. <laughs> uh, it's so it's so filmable that idea, you know. Yeah. <laughs> I can just imagine my my da- my dad sort of this little boy sort of jumping fences and running through fields and come back here, pig, <laughs> and running around in the forest out there. Oh. That was great. Thank you so much, everybody, for listening. The Varmints Podcast has been brought to you, as always, with technical support by Matthew Chomo and music by Kevin McLeod. Thanks, guys. And it's also brought to you by the Patreon supporter of Blazing Caribou Studios. Thank you so much for kicking in a dollar or two every month to make sure that we can bring you this podcast. We really do appreciate it. And thank you to Blazing Caribou Studios for continuing to give our podcast a happy little home. We really love it here. On our Reg Rat Corner this week, we have Jareth. Jareth has something to say about pigs. Uh, I'm Jareth. I'm four years old. And, and I'm about talking about pigs. What do you know about pigs? Um, they eat in the mud. They eat in the mud? Yeah. What else do you know about pigs? Um, they eat in the grass every day. Yeah? What color are they? They're... Pink. What's your favorite thing about pigs? Um, pooping in the ground. Um, where do animals live? Where do pigs live? Um, they live in the pig bed. In the pig bed? Yeah. What other kind of animals live with pigs? Um, Mom, where do they live? What do you think? Sheep and lambs. Sheep and lambs? Yeah. Would you like to have a pig as a pet? Yeah. Yeah? What would you name it? Um. Poop. (laughs) (laughs) You can tell he's a regular listener to the show. (laughs) Thank you, Jareth, and thank you to his mom, Samantha, for recording that for us. That was awesome. Yes, that was great. Thank you. Thanks again, everybody, for listening, and until next time... Be nice to animals. You've been listening to a Blazing Caribou Studios production. Support and subscribe to our Patreon at patreon.com slash blazingcariboustudios.